When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 591. Going to recap your week nine fab, talk about some interesting players from May and just in general, and much, much more. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick. My guest, as usual, to start the week on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm fantastic, buddy. I'm just full of joy and hatred and anger. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that went off the rails real quick. I have Cedric Mullins, and I watched him limp off out of try- after trying to leg out a uh, a play, yeah. uh, infield infield hit. So, of course, you know, my best team, one of the top five-round picks, it, it's, it sucks. And honestly, there's a good chance. It, it's a, I'm almost guaranteeing an IL stint, I would guess it. I'm no yeah. doctor. So I'm I'm like I'm hopeful for two to four weeks, just given the fact it's a soft, most likely a soft tissue injury of sorts. So we'll see. But we need more information. We can't assume anything right now. Yeah, I'm reading quotes here from one of the beat reporters from Baltimore. Brandon Hyde said Cedric Mullins has a right abductor slash groin strain. Uh, it's the last thing you want to see. Hyde said. Ryan McKenna said Cedric is one of our biggest pieces of the team and one of the biggest drivers of this winning this year and this season. It's going to be a loss for our team. So. Yeah, not good. Not good Where at did, all. Wait, 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 wait. That, that, that came out? I'm so confused. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan Ruiz. They don't know exactly what it is. They do MRI to get the severity of the injury, but they're oh. basically saying they already know it's not going to be great, and he's going to miss some time. So, yes, IL stent coming. That is a given. Just a matter of time is the question at hand. Hopefully not long, especially because it's the, the groin. Like, is it going to affect his running when he gets back? Yada, yada, yada. So I guess we'll kick it off with this because we kind of talked about it off the air. Mike, how do you plan on uh, replacing Cedric Mullins on your team? You don't. Uh, you do the best you can in terms of targeting maybe the stat he offers the be- the most of. Obviously, you don't replace a Cedric Mullins. You don't just find a guy who can go 20-40 off the waiver wire in week 10 of fantasy. And uh, it's easier in 10-teamers. Obviously, 12s, it's not, ha- it's not likely. And then 15s, where I have them, is really, really unlikely to find anything off the waiver wire that's going to do it. Obviously... If I get aggressive with like a Royce Lewis type, that would be my best bet. But the issue is, is I don't need, I need outfield. My outfield's already shallow. It's already dealing with uh, other issues in terms of just m- some of my missed picks have been outfielders. Some of my um, just and now the injuries, obviously being an outfielder, it's not not ideal. So in all reality, there is no replacing them. But at the end of the day, 
I'll figure it out. I mean, I, if I if I wanted to just lay over and die, uh, turn, uh, turn over and die, that wouldn't be any fun, right? That wouldn't that wouldn't help me out any. So uh, I have a really good team. I figured I could just honestly, I'll, I'll piece it together. You got to just kind of stay hot, get lucky with the streamers. Maybe you, if a kill Badoo becomes a thing, he's been decent. He went one for three again today. He's he actually stayed in instead of getting pinch hit four against a lot of these. So maybe some of those platoon issues are lifting. There's always an outfield is the easiest position to find. I feel like in season at least so far at least it's been my experience so we'll see how it goes again there is no replacing a cedric mullins i just gotta do my best in terms of managing the skill set that i lost from him and most likely what i what i'm gonna need the most like say right now i think stolen base is obviously one of his bigger what he offers the most of so if i can go out and find someone who could be decent with batting average while giving me some bases i think that'll help balance out my roster the most considering that's kind of what i needed from him the most with everything else that he offered being kind of extra so to speak so there again there is no there's no replacing a said mullins but there is replacing the stats that he offers one way or another you just gotta kind of have to pick the right parts and a little luck involved as well yeah just looking at uh 12 team ocs for instance i know you're doing 15 so it's gonna be even deeper for you but for some of the listeners if you're looking for potential guys in an oc format like luke rayleigh's 67 percent rostered he's a name we'll talk about later in the show but like Nick Prado's 43%. Nolan Jones, who we'll talk about, is 33%. He's still widely available. Um, some other guys you could look at would be like Trey Mancini's actually playing, which is weird. But Eddie Rosario is in there a lot against righties. Gavin Sheets, depending on that whole mess. You mentioned Akil Badu. Max Kepler's back. He's only 12% rostered. Uh, so, yeah, just check out your wire. It's, uh, it's murky waters. One guy I wrote up this past week, Kerlin, that I don't know if you – had a chance to look at or not was um, Oscar Mercado because he's actually playing and playing decently for the Cardinals right now. Well, he would be very light in terms of offering the stolen bases at the very least because he what he is running and we did see Lars Newbar also leave with an injury today. Yep. So he does become an interesting option if you're chasing stolen bases. Again, going back to what you're looking for based off of what you need here because again, there is no replacing him stat for stat. I'm, I'm looking at 15s right now and I don't see it. Like Mercado is an actual like option. Sheets yeah. is, a, is an actual I, option, but he's he's owned in seventy percent of main events. Joey Weimer, he's kind of available seventy seven percent of main events. So it's like we're talking. This is these are deeper formats, obviously, but these are guys that I just mentioned. Guys that are going to be like power, potential drains and batting average, and lower in the lineup. So you're not getting the runs and RBI potential either. It's it's frustrating. Pavin Smith that does lead off, but he he's been pretty bad. 45% rostered in, in 15s in main events. So, again, I'm going to have my work cut out for me. There is no direct replacement. I've said that like 15 times, but it's just one of those things like, what else am I going to say? It is what it is, you know? I got to get gotta get lucky here. I got to just make the right moves. I've been doing it. I've been doing all right so far. So, I'd like to think I could maybe uh, figure it out, but I can't guarantee that. I'm, I'm hopeful, though. <laughs> and, <laughs> hopeful. And, and with, <laughs> this, with this happening, you might get Kyle Stowers called back up. That's yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I know because you t- I remember you talked about him before. I was excited because he was yeah. like, and like, okay, a, a, a name that might come up eventually that could be interesting is Sal Freelick, kind of a similar yeah. skill set. If he come, I know he's, I know he's, it's I don't know if he's injury. I'll say, is he back from the injury yet? He doesn't no, show, he's not, not showing sure up. Yeah, he's not showing sure up on like, the IL here. It's weird. Yeah, it was a long, long injury, a couple, yeah. at least a month to two months. I was say four to eight weeks or something like that, right? Yeah. Four to eight weeks or something like that. Yeah. So, but it's just those. That's the type of guy. It's like, but again, it goes back to showing you, like, okay, cool. Alpha isn't so shat. Like, Alpha's not 
too shallow. It's it's shallow for my roster, but I feel like okay, uh, there's a couple. Actually, there's a couple names I can again, a couple names I can go out of my way to get if I need just stolen bases. Uh, I'm actually feeling optimistic the more I look at the waiver wire. So we'll see. But anyway, we can move on from there. I, it is what it is. Again, it is what it is. If I I can harp on it, or I can. My big thing is I can sit here and harp on it, and sure, I need a day to get over it usually, mm-hmm. but by tomorrow I'll be fine. And I'll be looking at the waiver wire, thinking, okay, what's my next move? Because being upset about it, it's not going to win me my league. I got to, I got to move on. I got to move on, look forward, and realize it's just another piece to the puzzle. I got to figure out. Now he he does join Adamus and Woodruff on, on on my bench for the rest of the week. But at least Adamus is short term. Woodruff is trending up. Hopefully by the end of the month or early July. So I'm trying to hold on to those guys. But yeah, it's uh yeah. It is what it is. We'll, we'll move forward. We'll figure it out. We will see how it goes. Let's talk about some uh, kind of game theory um, discussions. We did a, some a couple weeks ago. You brought up another good one here, and it kind of correlates with things we've talked about the last few weeks about like stashing and um, you know bench streamers and whatnot. We've talked about. So one of the uh, the questions you mentioned, and it comes into play on like how we add drop guys and players we look at for the week, and it, it's it's a big picture thing, but. The idea of, you know, if you add a player, do you have to start him right away? Like in Tout Wars, you do. Like that's just the way it works. So that's kind of a bummer, but it also kind of hinders you from making just all out crazy moves. But like NFPC, other formats, Yahoo's, ESPN's, normal leagues, you don't have to start guys right away. So, um, you know, what are we, what, what's your theory on this? Like when you add a guy, are you initially trying to start him? Cause like I know my thoughts. And when we talk about guys we picked up this week, I wasn't even planning on starting a couple guys. I was just adding them for cheap. So what's your thoughts on this? And that's kind of where I am. I like to obviously start. I don't go after a guy with the idea of not starting them, but you don't want to force it. I mean, there's you're not every team that like, sometimes you go out and grab a player just because of upside or because you want to see where it goes. And but I'm, I was referring in my in my head, I was like thinking about it from a deeper league perspective because obviously the deeper the format, the more likely you are to need quote unquote need the player that you're going after. So at the end of the day, uh, I just wanted to kind of just discuss that like it's not something you need to always do like uh, an example for me is that uh Jesus Sanchez I added him this week with the idea of playing him but just not the first half of the week he's supposed to be activated tomorrow everybody's probably you know there's a lot of people excited to start him I'm excited to get him back excited I'm excited to get him back and uh but it's one of those things where if you look at the matchups he has two lefties and a righty and he was platooning before going down I don't see why the platoon would go away all of a sudden so I get is what it is like I can't I'm not gonna just plug them in blindly so just know that if you add a guy there's a reason why you added them but you don't necessarily need to plug them in right away I know it's kind of obvious for, to a lot of people but I feel like I just I just see stuff on Twitter and it was kind of just triggered the, the thought of like maybe we should just mention that <laughs> maybe just keep that in mind like just don't feel don't feel like you have to start them over somebody else like okay I picked this guy up I, I gotta get him in my lineup do you though just see where it goes it's I obviously yeah. that do you really like it's just you pick them up for a reason sometimes just stashing them is fine or heck in my situation now if i if i obviously come thursday if i had no other options i would be plugging them in regardless just for the depth purposes but sometimes you just gotta see where things go you don't always have to just automatically start somebody you go out of your way to add even if you're excited about them you got to be smart is kind of also part of it too i don't want to say like okay you, you obviously added them to start them but if the matchups don't make sense or if it's a really tough matchup and it's like him versus other fringe guy that you kind of have in your roster and you're kind of sick of the fringe guy, but the fringe guy has the better matchups and the more likely path to playing time. You still should start the other guy, even though you're more excited about the guy you added because it just makes sense. You want to follow that process of what, you know, of what you normally do. Don't alter your process to fit this guy in your lineup. that doesn't fit otherwise. 
Yep, I totally agree. And that's uh, like I said, it'll be coming real talk but conversation when we talk about some guys I added this week. I had Jesus Sanchez in a lot of bids. Uh, he was not my top guy, but I wanted to get him if I could for the reasons you're mentioning. There's a lot of pitchers I do that with now. With as bad as pitching has been, like I'm starting to speculate on certain guys that like I wrote up Luke Weaver. Like I know you tweeted out something about his his pitch mix change and the changeup and everything. I'm not I've never been a Luke Weaver guy but I'm willing to acknowledge that maybe there's a change here. So let's get him for a buck or two and stash him. And if it works again this week, I got a guy and that's worth it for me. Stuff along those lines. Cause if he pitches well this week, he has two starts next week and he's going to go for at least 20, 30 bucks. And like, if I can get him for two now, cool. We're in, especially in a world where unlike you, who actually has a decent amount of fab left, most of us mm. are, are, are um, dwindling in the fab department. So those kind of spec bids are going to be even more important as we keep, running through all this so it, it is definitely a thing and and ideally if you're adding a guy you have to start right away he's not going to be like a cheap pickup most of the time because you are have a necessity so you're going to make sure you get them or they're a hot name or they're flourishing of some sort um like prospect like ellie de la cruz if you added him you're probably starting him right away type situation where when you're going to get in your akil badoos your, your jesus sanchez is Maybe you went and got an Owen Miller last week or something, and you're not starting them. And that's just kind of the, the reality of the situation. Um, that That's kind of where um, I think our conversation is. You don't have to start these guys. You can speculate, see how it goes. It makes it an easier drop also when they're not expensive. So it's kind of a whole uh, theory-type play for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were you going to say? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm – just... just sad right now. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> I'm, trying to, uh, I'm trying to power through this. Kind, Put it kind on of, brave face. Kind, Kind of on the idea of do you have to start a guy right away and whatnot is the streaming thing. And you can get cheap streamers too. So then if they're a streamer, you're probably starting them right away. That's kind of how that goes. Um, what do you use to look for streamers? Like I look at matchups. I look at like recent form, I guess, potential playing time. Kind of a lot of the things you mentioned uh, as options here. It's kind of a, a group uh, of things. I'm like, I'm not getting a guy that's only going to play three games in the week. And, you know, he's hitting a, a buck 40. I'm not even going to think about streaming those type of dudes. But, you know, Gavin Sheets is a popular one. And it worked one week and it didn't work the second week. Um, you, we've talked about Jake Bowers on this show a few times. There's, there's going to be good. There's going to be bad. It's more the process. So what's your process in finding the streamers? And the reason, and I just want to bring this up as what triggered the thought was I saw, again, more discourse on Twitter. So Twitter discourse, keep it up, guys. You're giving me material to want to speak about. Um, it was the fact that just people are talking about, you know, weekly um, when it comes to hitters, projections and stuff. And I'm like, I do. I like the idea of incorporating it. I'm not trying to alter my process right now. But I think just because I saw how effective incorporating um, projections were in my draft prep. I kind of want to start maybe next year incorporating it. That's what made me think. I'm like, well, what do I do currently? So when it comes to hitters, it, it's like, you know, the, the hitter streamer chart, which, you know, shameless plug, but we had it created for the GTE Patreon for reasons because it kind of hits, it kind of hits on a lot of these things. It it breaks down your Monday through Thursday lineups, your fr Friday through Saturday, and then as a whole weekly, how many matchups are is a player seeing, is a player getting, you know, obviously you're looking at each team from seven to five to seven uh, games a week. From there, you're breaking it down even more. Lefty, righty splits. How many lefties, how many righties do they get? From there, you go to your Monday through Thursday period, Friday through Saturday period, Sunday period, sorry. And you're looking at lefty, righty matchups within said period. 
And then from there, <laughs> you're all, then you're starting to take notes. You go through if, if what I do for the notes for that for that specific chart is I go through every single team's last 14 days and sometimes last seven, depending on certain players and when they start starting to line up, et cetera, whatever. It doesn't matter. I find trends is the point. I kind of highlight who's running hot, running cold. I know cold streaks and hot streaks aren't necessarily a thing you can quantify, I feel like, but they are a thing that people should consider, in my opinion, at least what I consider when I start making these ads. So I kind of go through this process of, okay, so I want this player. When, when am I going to use them? Okay, cool. I'm gonna, I can use them all week because there's six out of seven righties. Or, oh, like Jesus Sanchez. I'm like, I got him. I know I'm not starting him Monday through Thursday with two out of three being lefties, but now he gets that Oakland series with three righties over the weekend. That's a, that's a must start for me. So I, I, I understand all this for every single player I put a bid in for. And I make sure that I have a plan for them when I acquire them, not only a future outlook, but like wh- what are they going to do for me right now? And then of course, based on how I view them in general, in terms of their potential usage for this team will also dictate if I bid a lot or a little, is this a streamer? Is this guy see for like a week or two, see what go and go from there. Like a kill Badu was kind of like, all right, I liked what I saw beyond just the matchups coming up. He was starting to, there was the, it was the fact that he was walking more than striking out. I think over the two week period, I was like, let me see where this goes. So I added them. And of course he had, and he had the matchups, and now from there, it's like, okay, I'm just going to hold and I'm plugging back in again this week. And it's just so, the, but that process of trying to exploit matchups and handedness and all the, and all the above. And then you can go and step further. Obviously there's another thing on the chart. That's like, you can look into relief pitchers for those teams. And I have all, I think it's also for the last three starts for starters that like a put and I, Oh yeah, sorry. And then don't forget the opposing starters that they're facing. So we have a, we have a system that spits out a grade based on the last three starts for each opposing star. It's, it's, it's in-depth process. That's all in the chart. So this chart just does all this work for me. It does it and all I, for you. Spits and, it right out. It's a beautiful and I, thing. And then I go over to the RP, the, the spot, you can click on that and it'll show you, Team, the opposing team RP stats for the schedule too. So you'll know this is what their relief pitchers have been up to for the last, I think 21 days, maybe we did or 14 days. Either way, it's, it's giving you a recent look just a snapshot of the recent production from relief pitchers as well. So you're getting an idea of like, you're like, you're like, you're really getting into the nitty gritty of it. And that's, and that's what I do for every single hitter. Cause I just, like I look through this for, for my teams. When I go out after a guy, when I look for who to stream, when I try to, when I'm stuck between two players, this whole long process, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but it's just so much I put into my decision-making. And then sometimes I, after all that, I'll still go with my gut sometimes, but I try not to go with my gut. I try to leave it up to what makes sense on paper as I go through this whole process. No, it makes a ton of sense. It's and a lot, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, but the chart, I was just making sure you were done. Uh, the chart, oh, I don't know uh, if I'm done. But the I chart <laughs> is uh, like, it's, a, it's again, shameless plugging, but the fact all that stuff you mentioned just is right there without you having to really dig into it. It's all just freaking boom, 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 boom. It's, we've had members say, like, this is worth the price of admission itself. And again, I'm not trying to like make an advertisement, but it makes it pretty darn awesome that you throw like Michael's uh, SP streaming thing in there. Jorge's relief pitching is going to be pretty sweet too. It sounds like so. There's a lot of cool stuff. The DFS one, I got a lot of work to do on that because there's a lot. There's a there's a lot going on on that chart that I kind of want to consolidate somewhere along the line. But um, we'll get there eventually. But uh, yeah, it's it the streaming thing, and it's a great conversation. People might be annoyed by it. They might be bored with it. I don't know. But it's well, people. It, we're gonna get to player talk. We're not, yeah, but I mean, it's players, a great but... it's a great conversation because um especially this time of the year like i say we're trying to save money but we need to be able to keep getting the stats and then we're getting injuries like said mullins goes down i'm, I'm not trying to harp on that but we got to yeah. find guys maybe you don't find one guy for the entire time he's out maybe you stream someone every week in that position that's and just kind of thinking and kind of but that's, that's my point and that's where this comes into play like hey 
go get so-and-so. And and the beauty of these charts is it kind of can give you a look ahead, like, hey, go grab this guy for next week or stuff like that. Like things along those scenarios that'll kind of point you in the right direction to um I do because like I well I've really I've mentioned it a lot when I do like my my pitching ads. I've for years now, even when I did the show with Toby. I try to grab two start guys a week early if I have roster space. Like I had Brandon Belak on my roster last week for this week. I got him for like six bucks last week. He was going everywhere for like 20 to 30 bucks pretty much. And like, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that adds up in the end of the season in a big, big way. So just little things like that uh, can go very, very far in the grand scheme of things. Oh, I'm the same way, but I've actually, I've got, I've gotten to a point now where I make a point to look at the next four starts for starting pitchers, because I want to see, is it just a two-step that like, even if I like what you mentioned, I grab them a week early. That's kind of what we have to do these days to get ahead to really save money. But now a step further is look at their next four starts beyond the two stop, but beyond that two step, do they, do they continue to project out for a really favorable schedule? And that's, I know it changes. That's why I only do four because it, even the four starts, you're still, risking you know there's a lot of changes injuries push back a day for rest what have you all that good stuff but i like to get an idea like okay maybe i value this guy but maybe like i'm torn between two guys this guy has toronto and at new york um on the schedule this guy has pittsburgh at detroit and it's like well that made my decision for me i like this guy that much that this guy gets the little nod and that could be the difference between who you end up with and who ends up being more valuable for you beyond that to start week even and with hitters i like to look at seven days ahead obviously which but i like to look at or up to 14 days for the schedule. But when it comes to matchups in terms of like handedness, so much changes. I only look seven days ahead for that. And I pick my, but I am very big on streaming week to week. I realize that uh, I don't hold on more than I have to. I try to be pretty cutthroat with the turnover on those, on the streamer types, because as you mentioned, I'm trying to catch lightning in a bottle. I'll write it out until it, until it dies out. Like Morel, if I had him, I would have wrote that out. <laughs> but you get my point though. It's one of those things where I'm just, I, I do look at it more of like a short-term thing. I'm not trying to think long-term with well, hitters. I'll give, I'm try, I'll, I'm give trying a, to, I'll give a great I'll, example. I'm trying to think longer-term with pitchers than I am hitters, I guess. 100%. Pitchers, that'll, that's one of the guys I'm trying to like not – I'm trying to not bury the lead of a guy I want to talk about during the at my ads of the week because it might derail the whole show if I bring him up early. But it's the idea of I'm looking long-term with that pitcher. Then we're like a hitter. Like I was all over J.J. Bleday like a month ago. I dropped him like two weeks ago. It's just like your theory mm-hmm. of, hey – Write it out, get the production, move on. We have a Brent Rooker question coming up. I actually wrote him in an article for Fantasy Pros as a follower that you can probably move on from if you want, or and maybe stream again when he faces a bunch of lefties or something. Like there's there's scenarios and league formats a big part of the scenario, obviously. But I agree with what Curlin's saying is pitchers, yes, you want your like, you know, maybe you got a two-step guy this week. That's cool, great. But with the craziness of injuries, the craziness of like the bouncy ball, all this stuff. I'm looking long-term with pitchers. Like I'd rather look long-term than the two-start guys. If I can get a guy that I might be able to trust for the next three to four months, I'm in compared to the guy that might just throw me next week. And I cross my fingers. He only gives up like five runs and two starts and strikes out at least a batter an inning. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm kind of with curling on that where hitters, I'm kind of just churning and churning and churning where pitchers, I'm like, I'm trying to invest in the season. If that makes sense to people. So. Ugh, I don't know if you re- did. You read the whole "it's the last thing you want to see" things. That you were is that the quote you were oh, yeah, looking no, at yeah. earlier? The, That's there's, there's, there's the, there's no, the was, manager and then two two players comments from Nathan Ruiz. Yeah, yeah, I was reading the la- "it's the last thing you want to see." Sorry, yeah. that's yeah. we'll talk about Mullins again. I, I know I, I I'm harping on it, but it just it's fresh. It's a fresh wound. It happened like an hour before the show. So uh, this is well, great. We'll this is curling in 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 real time, folks. Real like well, usually, already, usually this is usually this is the text messages we get, but you're well, getting them on camera. 
Well, because right now I'm thinking about it, and I'm, I'm honestly I'm digesting it, and in my head I'm already expecting the worst case scenario. I'm I'm picturing in my head I'm dropping Mullins already, and who am I adding? Who do I have to replace him? And what can I like? What's my next move? And I've I've already added th- like while we were talking right before we actually got into this part of the conversation, I've added three guys to my watch list just to see where it goes for certain stats. And so I'm already I can harp on it. I'm going to be a little upset about it, but. I there's no I'm eighth overall in the main event like I'm sorry like, I'm, I'm at the point now where I can it's like it's a third of the season's up I gotta I can't dwell I gotta just I gotta react I gotta move I gotta try to get some of those stats it is what it is I'll figure it out I'll make it work yep. it's not gonna be Cedric Mullins it's not gonna be pretty but it's I'm, I might have to be aggressive with certain players we'll see I, I don't know I, I think I'm gonna try to go the way of streaming maybe I'm less aggressive maybe I don't go bid big on some of these guys and just keep my fab knowing I'm gonna need to rotate more players than I expected now that Mullins might be out, probably it could be he could be a drop. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, let's move forward. I'm sorry. I know yeah, people we're, are we're gonna we're gonna complain. adapt. We're gonna adapt and move forward here. And uh, I enjoy doing the kind of process, just open conversation stuff. We'll do that from time to time for sure, just to kind of show our process of how we do it. Maybe it'll help you. Maybe you think we're crazy. Who knows? But um, it it is a, an interesting way to go about it. Um, we'll go through some players that are having some pretty strong maze. We have a ton of great listener questions. Uh, but one of the ones that was a listener question slash a guy that's having a good May, which is just kind of fun here, is uh, Zach McKinstry. And Ballpark Fantasy asks, is McKinstry for real? Sure seems to be. And when you look at McKinstry, and I've, like, I actually made this comment on the first pitch pod, is the Tigers, a few years ago, they were, they were slowly building up youth, and they were making trades and doing things. And you could see the writing on the wall in like three to four years, maybe that they're going to be there. And I'm not saying they're there this year, but you're seeing like the dudes playing good again. You got McKinstry, Matan's having his moments, um, Torkelson starting to get going. Like there's just a slew of them. They're starting. Riley Green, so we're going to talk about him in a bit. He's heating up. Well, McKinstry in the month of May, really, really good stuff. And he's the primary leadoff hitter for them. Let's put it that way. Playing third base and the outfield and second base, you're going to get massive eligibility situations. But he hit 317 with two home runs, six are or six stolen bases. 15 runs scored, and what I really love to see from someone that he is 28, so he's not super young, but a guy that's getting his first like real, real good chance of playing time, 22% walk rate and 14% strikeout rate. That's elite plate discipline. That's helping him get on base, helping him score those runs, and helping the Tigers get going for like the greens that we're talking Torkelson's to drive in runs. So what's your thoughts on McKinstry? The question was, after I blabbered on and on, is this for real? And I think there's a realness to it, to be honest. Yeah, this would be ideal uh, in a deeper league, a nice Mullins uh, replacement. But <laughs> again, I just have the full circle. It's all about me, Bubba. Anyway, uh, looking at it, a lot of it seems legitimate. He's making he's he's always been a really big zone contact guy. It's still in the ninety percent range, which is where it's been, where it was last year, and the and then the year before that it was also eighty nine point seven percent. So ninety percent zone contact is is where you start getting into elite ter- into elite territory. Single digit swing and strike rate, where uh, league average is around eleven percent, and then of course uh, league average O swing, which is your you know outside swing rate, is usually around 33 percent. His is at twenty seven point uh, twenty six point seven, so that's a little better than his usual output there. Maybe he's running hot, so he's seen the ball so well that he's not chasing as much. But even if he was chasing league average, that's fine. He, I don't think he's suddenly. That's why you said there's some realness to it. I don't think he's. I don't think McKinstry's suddenly a two ninety five hitter. I know he's shown it in the past at, at various levels of of the minors and such. I do think he's going to be a decent um, batting average guy, though. I, the steals, he's 10 for 11. That's a legitimate skill. 
uh, skill. And then the double-digit walk rate, we've seen that time or two in the past. So I think the play discipline, there's something to it. He's And you mentioned he's leading off. He's actually pulling the ball in the air quite a bit. I think it's like over 50% of the balls are pulled line drive. Over 50% of his pulled balls are in line drives over five balls. So although the power's not strength, it'll help the power play up. And then he's barreling the ball more than ever. McKinstry has 11.3% barrel rate. He's never been double digits before. Hard hit rate not that's where it's like it's nothing special that's why i said the power can play up because of his approach more so than the actual hard hit numbers i mean 39.2 percent is nothing special i don't even think that's league average honestly i'd have to go look at the percentiles i'm gonna get fan graphs right now but mckinstry is a guy that there is some truth to it a lot of it is that safety in that per, uh, the safety in the approach the approach the safety in the plate discipline and then overall the fact that 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 whole pulling the ball in the air thing it's helping generate more barrels and he's and McKintree's good. It's going to play up a little bit for McKintry. So I do think that, like I mentioned, I think you hit it right when you said there's some legitimacy to it. I think he could be 75 to 80% of this mm-hmm. player rest of the season. If, if he continues this and I, and that's well worth, he's that makes him easily like a five, a fifth outfielder in 10 and 15s pushing that fifth outfielder spot in 12s. He's definitely 12 team relevant, not a must add, but a guy you definitely want to make a point for if you need speed. And again, he's, he's he is leading off. He is platooning. So no, that he's not probably gonna hit against a lot of lefties. Maybe the platoon starts lifting because he shows that he's worth trotting out there against them. But at the end of the day, McKinstry, there's a lot to like here and a lot to believe in there, given the approach. And part of the thing is the realness comment is a lot of these guys, pretty much all of them we're going to talk about is because they're on fire right now. And so like the the possibility of continuing at that level, they're, they're not none of them are. I'll just say right now, none of them will. It's a matter of do Curlin and I think that this guy can still be very serviceable for you the rest of the season. And I think that's where like McKinstry 100% like fits in at a 15. He's awesome. Like, he's really good in the 15. Uh, and I, I love that positional flexibility. Like that's tremendous stuff, even at 12. So um, yeah, he's a, he's in play for you. Someone to definitely keep an eye on. I, I mentioned his teammate, Riley Green, and this is one that stood out to me. And this is one thing where I know Curling could probably relate to this and others can too. And most of you won't care, but we do a lot of content and there's days we're just exhausted from doing content. It's just, it's like overwhelming at times. But in doing so much content, it brings certain players to life that you might not have been paying attention to. Like, that's how I all of a sudden I got into the Tigers because I just got down a rabbit hole of, wow, these are actually playing pretty good. Like, why would I ever look at the Tigers? Let's just be real. Like, but you start seeing this. If if it wasn't for the content I do for for the Patreon and for the the Athletic, I wouldn't have. If I didn't cover lineups, I would never look at them. Who looks at? Unless you're you're Sporer. Yeah, like Paul Sports probably, and maybe Govier being Tigers fans, those are the only guys I know that would even know who half these guys are, that's and it would have been on them for like weeks now if it wasn't for the fact that we did content. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. So you look at Riley Green, right? In the month of May, dude's hitting 363. Obviously, a 484 Babbitt's unsustainable, but he had 13 extra base hits, three being home runs, four stolen bases. He's hitting second or third every day for the Tigers. You know, 25% K rate in this era actually isn't that bad when you look at the grand, grand scheme of things. Um, and you know, a 12% barrel rate, a 52% hard hit rate. People forget last year in draft season, he was one of the shiny new toys. Then he goes and gets hurt like the last day or two before spring training ends, and he never really got it together all season. So we might be seeing another guy like a Josh Lowe, like a Jaron Duran who's struggling now. Um, all these kind of like post hype guys. Riley Green could be one of them, and it's very interesting to see. He's not, again, not going to hit for this average, but the power and speed can play even in that ballpark, I think. So what's your thoughts on Riley Green? Same idea. You mentioned it. I think the strikeouts and the problem is, is it's not a passivity issue. It, there's there's some swing and miss in this game here. He's still pulling the ball so much 
on the ground, 72.7% pulled ground ball rate. That is horrendous. So the power won't play up to its full potential, but you mentioned it, a 52% hard hit rate, double digit barrel rate, even if it's not double digit, or sorry, it's 45.2, not 52, I apologize. The hard hit rate for, um, for what's his face here, Riley Green. But the uh, barrel rate, even if it was last season, 9.3%, it's still in line with last year, a little, obviously a little better. I think Green's going to give you probably, probably get close to a 2020 season, which is rock solid. It's just, you know, the four-way BABIP. Although last year he was a high BABIP guy. So BABIP is just maybe, I mean, what there's a lot saying? of things that, he, it's one of those things that you're seeing kind of these high BABIPs, like you're seeing the high BABIPs carry over three straight stops, 2022 in AAA, 340, 2022 in uh, the major league level, 354. 408 isn't going to sustain, but even if he's closer to the 350, the 350 to 340 range, it'll still help carry a 250-ish batting average, which is what we saw uh, last year for him. So I do think in spite of the swing and miss issues, I think the Babbitt will play up considering he's showing it to be more of a skill. And I think that goes back to what, 2021, all the way in double A. It looks like almost every year he's had a solid Babbitt. Actually, every year of his career minus one stop. I'm just now I'm just going down this rabbit hole. See, this is what happens. <laughs> we start looking into the stuff more, right? But yeah, so the uh, but the speed he's six perfect six for six. So even though he's not blazing fast, it's a skill, and he's taking advantage of the rules. I think 2015 could be is a fair expectation, and uh, or I don't know. He's he only has five home runs through. Uh, it's gonna be close. It's gonna be hard for him to get that 20 home runs right now, but. Maybe 15, 15, 15 with 15, 20 upside. I don't know. Just solid, safe. Uh, he needs to elevate the ball more. But he is a little bit. The ground ball rate is moving in the right direction, but it's still 52%. So it's not like it's moving in the right direction, but not not fast enough. Uh, that's the only issue here. If he elevated the ball more, we'd see a lot of we'd see a lot of the power. We saw we'd see a lot more power play up at the end of the day. But he's pulling the ball on the ground as much as Riley Green is, and not elevating the ball much at all or enough at all, I should say, will hinder that power production. But at the end of the day. I think there's some, there's a little power, a little speed, and the batting average won't be a complete liability. He's a solid, probably outfielder three to four range, give or take. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Like he's, I'm he's really curious. To, I'm curious to see <laughs> how this continues where he's like, where we're talking about him in December. Like, I'm I just curious it, where the power ends up. Does he make, does he finally, like, I bet you if I look at just May, he obviously, I think he started elevating the ball more in May. So that's why, that's why you mentioned May. You have to break these down. Sometimes you have to break down players in months the month of may strikeout rates down to 25.2 percent huge strides forward in, in strikeouts the, the string he cut down the swing and miss he made a lot more contact so you're looking at the overall numbers but is may more is may more representative of what we're gonna see going forward and that's that's a, that's the question that's hard to answer also in may for riley green 41.5 percent ground ball rate compared to the i mentioned what 52 percent so imagine what it was before may you know what i mean it must have been horrendous so he's making these he's adapting in that's season much. He's adapting this month, but is it just a hot month? We saw Mateo, Mateo is a perfect example of up and down, up and down. I think Riley Green has more has is more likely to be more constant in his production, but it's just one of those things where I'm I'm you know I'm just apprehensive. Do we buy in? Do we buy into the small sample of May, or is there a happy medium between the two type of thing? So we'll see. Someone just hit a home run in the Twins game. Royce Lewis, of course he did. Three run home run. Royce welcome Lewis, back, just, Royce Lewis. Welcome. Well, there go. he just he just jumped his fab up to about 300 right there. Yep, he was already even behind. There we go. Speaking of, about another player that's uh, been just to me playing out of his gourd of late is Jose Siri. Uh, this is a guy that in draft season I was like, okay, he plays great defense. It'll keep him in the lineup every day. We'll see what he can. He's got tons of speed, but you know that's about all you can probably expect from Jose Siri. Um, I have him in a bunch of draft and holds. Not in, I got him in some fab recently, but not a ton of shares. His month of May hitting 262 with a 256 BABIP. Let that sink in for a second. 
but he has seven home runs, four stolen bases, 27% strikeout rate, but uh, the power has just been fun to watch develop from Jose Siri, 21% barrel rate, only a 36% hard hit rate, so that's not ideal, of course, but he's been playing very, very, very well and playing pretty much every single day for the, the best team in baseball, best offense in baseball. So what are your thoughts on Jose Siri? Like 262 seems reasonable to me. The power is the question I have for you. Like that's the big surprise for me. Well, I think it was always one of those things where the power was there. He's always had those max EVs, if memory serves. So it's one of those things where he's finally looks like he's just he's a guy that's actually the ground ball rates 37.7%. So he's getting the ball in the air more. And that's kind of all you need to do when you hit the ball as hard as he does, right? He's pulling the ball more than ever. So I think just Siri's getting that that a little bit of approach change going. So the power is finally playing up. We saw him spike a 16-24 season in AAA for Houston in 2021. We've we've seen double digits of both power speed outputs in in the minors across his minor league career. So he finally gets a shot to really kind of start and play most days. I think the tools are very legitimate, but I do think the batting average is a huge liability. The speed will help Siri outproduce some of those, uh, you know, some of the strikeout issues. It'll help him produce a higher BABIP. It's only 267 right now, but I think the BABIP could rise, which could help sustain that batting average closer to 250 that it is right now, but I think the tools and what we're seeing in terms of the power, I, you're seeing the whole team kind of shift. The whole Rays team is shifting their approach. Tyler Walls, remember, like my big thing with Walls was he always just, he wasn't putting the ball in the air enough or his, no, the reason why the home runs played up, but you know, he didn't have the barrels at the beginning of the year was he was pulling the ball in the air. Right now, mm, Siri, is, Siri has a 34.4% pull fly ball rate and the pull ground ball is still 53.1%, but Remember, it's no, it's no Riley Green, and I yeah. bet you, and, that, and that's just this year. I bet you, if I look at his career, I would get almost, I would almost guarantee, without looking, that it's up compared to his career, which I'm gonna pull up right now because I'm stubborn. So his pulled fly ball, uh, no, no, his pulled fly balls are up about eight percent. So yes, he's pulling ball in the in the air a lot, eight uh, percent uh, more this year compared to his career. Pulled ground balls are about the same, but at the end of the day, pulling the ball in the air more like that, in the uh, it'll help the barrels. It'll help that approach helps barrel the ball more, which explains the barrel rate. It'll help the power play up, which could explain the home runs. And you're seeing it be a team philosophy. And the Rays run. So the speed's definitely going to be there. The Rays are letting everyone run wild. So Siri can he's not he's going to get his stolen bases. But I'm buying, I'm mostly buying in what we're seeing here. I think he's a flashy toolsy player. Strikeouts are gonna be an issue, which could lead to batting average concerns. But batting concerns be damned. Do you want that power and speed? And I think he's gonna offer it even while batting in the bottom third of that lineup. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's and it's a, a discussion point that I know uh, Dire Work and others in our chat has been bringing up. I think like James McCool, who's a great guy, and some other DFS guys have talked about. We used to like kind of poo poo the bottom of the batting order, but in this new running environment, they become pretty darn valuable now. That's where Siri kind of helps flip that lineup over to the Yandi, to the Francos and company, and he, he's giving you plenty of fantasy goodness there. Uh, another player, the last player I have written down here, we'll talk about more in the listener questions section later, is Lane Thomas. And this came to my light when Kerlin actually did a little video and talked about him a couple weeks ago and how he was mashing lefties and kind of hanging in there versus righties and so on and so forth. But he's actually held his own everywhere now. He's the leadoff hitter for the Nationals. In May, he's hitting 311 with 15 extra base hits, eight of those being home runs. He scored 21 runs. The Nationals probably scored 26. Like, I'm being sarcastic, but probably not off by much. Drove in 16, two stolen bases. Like, he did a little bit of everything across the board. Uh, still struck out 26%, but I'll take that if you put up numbers like that. 11% barrel, 47% uh, hard hit rate. Lane Thomas is a guy that we've talked about in years past. Like, last year he had 17 and 8, hit 241. We've always had kind of expectations for Lane Thomas. It's just never come to full fruition. Uh, and then there was worries this year, you know, the team was so bad, like what could he possibly get out of this? 
well, you know, Luis Garcia is hitting. CJ Abrams isn't horrible. Candelario is actually playing pretty well. Like there's Manises is hitting just not for power. So there's a little bit of production in Washington and that's helping Thomas as well. But what's your thoughts on Lane Thomas going forward? Because um, a couple of weeks ago, he was still available in a lot of waiver wires might be on a few still. If you're, if you're lucky enough to get there, what's your thoughts on Lane Thomas? So my concerns with Lane Thomas, I still have them. I know he's serviceable against righties, but WRC plus of 90 league average is hundred WRC plus in general. So he's 10% worse than league average against righties. He's obliterating lefties uh, over a thousand OPS against lefties, a 705 OPS against righties. So the production against righties hasn't even been there. And in May they faced a ton of left-handed pitching. Apparently I was just curious. That's so why I went and looked, I'm sort I sorted it. They faced one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven lefties in May. So I'm wondering, was it just a heavy amount of like seeing all those lefties really just did it for them type of thing? I mean, they still faced uh, almost an equal amount of righties, but the, how often is it an equal? How much is it a one to one lefty to righty combination in a month? So I think there is something to the fact that they faced a whole lot of lefties. Will that continue? There's no. I would say you know the division would help because the Marlins have a lot of lefties and all that, but that doesn't matter when the division stuff has changed you know towards pretty even across the board now so uh, i think he's gonna be fine I, I we've seen thomas do this i just don't know i think he's least he's less believable considering the splits i just it's almost like Paredes, where i have a hard time buying fully into Paredes because a well the playing time for it's a different conversation it's not apple it's more of an apples to oranges uh, comp but the reason why the reasons there are some similar reasons in terms of just that struggles versus righties being a big enough concern in my opinion to uh keep me less optimistic moving forward a guy that you're starting adding should have already been on your team and you're writing it out there's no doubt about that but i have my concerns with it sustaining yep i got you makes a ton of sense to me i'm just curious heck of a month for mr lane thomas oh, absolutely fun. it'll be fun this, this time next month to see how lane thomas is doing today so that'll be a nice roller coaster right there uh let's talk about some fab pickups for the week here um week nine nfbc fab again we talked 12 team ocs because 12 teams is kind of in the middle of most people play 10s and 12s, but 15s are very popular as well. I bring so up 15 of... stuff. Don't you worry. Okay, good, good. So obviously, you don't. If, if you're living under a rock, you're the only one that doesn't know this, but the most added player this past week was Bobby Miller of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Added in 204 leagues, as high as 399, as low as 12. Um, I, I'd be blue in the, I'm, I feel like I'm blue in the face. I've either, talking, I've either talked – or written about Bobby Miller every day of the week, multiple times probably, in everything I do, especially talking fab and everything else. Um, he's worth every penny. He's the guy I've wanted over Gavin Stone to begin with. Gavin Stone has made it really easy to make Bobby Miller the guy <laughs> to have over Gavin Stone as well. Uh, with Dustin May out for, you know, he's not going to throw again for at least four to six weeks, like more six weeks. I, I don't think we see Dustin May until it's September, honestly, if we see him at all, because they're doing PRP injections. He's going to ramp back up in spring training style. It's going to be a while. It's always he does to May. So this is Bobby Miller's spot in the rotation, I, I think. That's how I feel about it. Five innings, one and five Ks in Atlanta, which is outstanding. And now he pitches at home tonight. Uh, I believe it's against Washington. I could be wrong. I have to go back and look at that. It's, it's an easy matchup compared to Atlanta. So I don't have a ton to say besides he's awesome, and I think he's the way to go. So what's your thoughts on Bobby Miller? He's this week's Yuri, this week's yeah. insert a stud minor league pitcher here he's that guy i think it's that simple yeah there's not really too much more i i, I could say about it either I, I this year's been wild seeing these pitchers come up and i really do wonder how much of it is that these pitchers as a whole are just so much more comfortable maybe pitching with the with the rules considering they've had time to do it and all it's that been, so. it's been discussed how the minor league guys don't even realize there's a rule anymore 
Like, and that's why their arms like built for it now. They're just like, this is what it is. So, a lot to be said about that. Um, let's look at Jake McCarthy. Was one of the t- like he's a top 100 draft pick in draft season, maybe top 60 in some leagues. I never bought into the price for Jake McCarthy, but we knew the speed last year. He had a heck of a year. Help people win leagues. Um, he got added. He got sent to AAA. In AAA, crushed. He got added in 158 leagues this past week, as high as 111, as low as a dollar in 12s. Um, in his his time in AAA, he played 22 games, hit 333 with four homers and four steals. That obviously will play. He had a uh, if you want to get deeper into the woods here, he had a 952 OPS, a 200 ISO, only struck out 12.4 percent of the time, a walking 10 and a half. All really really strong things for Mr. Jake McCarthy. And since he got called back up, he has one hit and one stolen base. So what's your thoughts on Mr. McCarthy who came up and they sent Dominic Fletcher back who was actually still hitting the base? Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know anymore. Uh, I do think McCarthy's better than what he showed us to start the year. I don't know if we should be expecting him to suddenly figure it out because, I mean, I know he kind of went down there. That's why he came back up was because he figured it out. But McCarthy, you mentioned it. He's one for nine, a double, a stolen base. Uh, I think he's a good hitter still. He's going he's gonna to steal bases. He's banging the bottom of that order. So there's very little upside there. I, I don't really have a whole lot i i wasn't really confident <laughs> i think there's some uh, bias here some personal bias because i wasn't in on mccarthy to start the year so i'm not surprised he's still not the guy i wouldn't have been overly aggressive on him he wasn't available in my league i think he was already being stashed but even if he was like right now if he was available on the waiver wire for mullins i 
I'd probably take a shot at him, but I don't think I would ever bid enough to get him. I, I view him more as a streamer than I do as a regular piece of your lineup, which I think he's being added back to lineups as a regular piece of your lineup or expected to be one. That's where I think the difference is in my view of him and others. So McCarthy's a guy I'm still not in on considering what the, I, I would guess the general consensus view is on him. Yeah, I put keep modest bids out there. I don't even know if I got him anywhere. We'll go back and check that in a little bit, but I wasn't like running to get him. I'd rather have spent $2 on Jesus Sanchez, honestly, than uh, break the bank for Jake McCarthy. Uh, we already talked about Zach McKinstry, and obviously what we said people didn't listen to because this is after this, but 127 leagues, as high as 127, as low as a dollar. So he's added in a ton of leagues. Uh, another guy that was a listener question, so we'll talk about him now, is Luke Rayleigh, fourth most added player this past week, 82 leagues. As high as 64, as low as a dollar. I've had Rayleigh for a couple weeks in certain leagues. Uh, his May has been 286, three homers, seven stolen bases. Uh, he strikes out a ton. He's going to hit for a rough average from time to time. So like, if you look at his last two weeks, he's got two of those three home runs, like five of those stolen bases, but he's hit 200. Um, but he walks a good amount too. So it's kind of a yin and a yang with Luke Rayleigh. The one thing I'll mention, and maybe I'm wrong because you pay way more attention to this than I do, it feels like he was in a very, very, very strict platoon at one time where now that he's hitting so well, he's starting to get his occasional games versus lefties out there. It feels like a lot of those because the Rays were battling injuries at the same time, but there seems to be a little less platooning in Tampa Bay outside of like your Paredes, your walls situation. But uh, what's your take on uh, Luke Rayleigh? So Mr. Rayleigh, he has started against one left-handed pitcher the last 30 days. I would guess that's the one he's had all year. So the ones yeah, that you're referencing – well, it's it's we it's recency bias. He started one of the last two they faced. That's what it is. And okay, he started he was. and he started five in a row during that. So it just happens. I think that's where it was in your head. You saw okay, he started five in a row. One being against a lefty, it makes sense to think that he just happened to sit against the second lefty. But now is the, the argument is I have to go back and see what lefty it was. It was after five straight. He started the six. He started six out of seven. So he started the next game after that against a righty though. But uh, rarely is a guy that he's bad. You know, he's playing every day. He's batting towards the bottom lineup right now for the Rays. But any part of the lineup you want. The fact that they started him against lefty, you mentioned it could be injury related. It could just be because he's running hot. But you, he is. He's It's a roller coaster. It's up, down, up, down. The strikeouts are an issue. But, again, a guy that you weren't expecting to run. The power has always been kind of a thing. And he has ran in the past. But I don't think anyone thought Rayleigh was going to run, especially when we saw him Not playing. Like we saw and we saw rarely, yeah, we saw rarely uh, hit for power early on. Okay, we could buy into that. The Rays know what they're doing when it comes to getting guys like this. That's not that's not a surprise. But the the, the seven stone bases, I think that's matching a career high at the major league level. Oh no, it's a, it's oh, okay. So he's he's had nine. Oh sorry, no, he had eight in twenty twenty one at the major league level. It looks like no, that was in AAA. Yeah, this is a he matches he this is a career high for him at the major league level. Sorry, he's been up and down so many times. Throughout, I'm looking at his past, but uh, rarely. So he's just, career high seven stone bases. He's seven for eight, so he's efficient. He'll keep running probably. It's it's wild. Rarely is what he's doing is wild, but you ride this out. Even if he's – but it goes back to knowing the matchups, knowing what they're doing for the week. I haven't looked at the Rays that much because I don't think I have a Rays hitter that I really need to worry about. But uh, usually it's they're usually good for like five out of seven, uh, four out of six on a bad week against righties. And there, see, it was weird with him, though. Rarely was a guy that – like Walls, like Paredes was kind of falling into – they have four righties, and they'll all play three out of four of them. And that, and that is still very much a possibility with Rarely. So just realize that if that's happening – Pay attention because there's a chance that he's going to sit against the occasional righty, even if there's a stretch of them. But at the end of the day, Rayleigh's uh, a great streamer right now, a great guy. You're plugging in, you're getting power, getting speed, and hoping the batting average isn't going to bury you. Exactly. Uh, Jared Schuster added in 78 leagues as high as 126, as low as a dollar. 
was actually so, like, I get why people added him. The price tag made me laugh on certain ones because his two start was last week, not this week. So usually you see the opposite take place. Uh, you know, he, his last two, two, last week against Philadelphia and Seattle, eleven and two thirds innings, four runs, twelve Ks, very very effective. Um, you know, big talk of the town in spring training. Since he came back up, he's uh, on the 16th. He went back down for a little bit. You got Schuster has thrown. He has a 378 ERA, 487 uh, XFIP in 16 and two-thirds innings, 15 Ks. He's allowed seven runs. Um, the walks can still be a bit of an issue for Schuster. But he was a very popular pickup this week, and it kind of felt like is either a FOMO pick for people or I'm missing something here, Curlin. I think you might have missed his last start. I did tweet it out, and you know me. I tweet everything. So uh, May 22nd, I tweeted this. He should. Oh, he's due for a start. Oh, he gets Oakland this week. I know that because I have him in one league in one DC where I got where, where I, you know, I, well, that's getting, why everybody wanted him. because so that's why that's that's the big reason. But the last start, there was something interesting. So we saw the velo across the board tick up. I think it was close to a mile per hour, if not a mile per hour across the board. Cool. Great. Velo's up. We always love that. But he, uh, Schuster threw a season high. Uh, 34% sliders and had a 42% whiff rate on it. Great. So there's a change there. And if you look at it, it was a huge dip in four seamers last start, a big increase in both the change of end sliders. So he incorporated a heavier dose of the off speeds while dropping that nearly, I think it was like 45% usage on the fastball closer. He dropped like 10%. And th- that outing, again, one outing. So it's it could just be a blip on the radar or it could be a start of what he's going to try to do. But Schuster had this you know made the changes with the increased velo the change in pitch mix this led the lot that had the less walks in the last outing the most k's in a start this year highest swinging strike rate of the year as well in that start the issue being for schuster that he didn't get he didn't induce a ton of chases but there was an actual change in approach paired with that little bit of velo jump i think that's what has people encouraged and then obviously pair that with the Oakland start, it's kind of like, a, of course, I, time to go back and try this again. But uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I noticed in his last start, and I, I put it out there. So I, I, I guess you know I'm not the only one that feels. Bad. I don't feel bad anymore because I don't read. I barely read anybody's work, so I know you don't read mine because I post it on Patreon. So yeah, <laughs> I read a lot. I skim a lot, is what I do. That's fair. Gets, I, I write a lot. There's a lot of he, information. He gets he gets Oakland this week, and then next week he gets the Mets. I, and I all, I'm on Rotowire, so I only got the next two weeks. But decent matchups. The Mets have been kind of hit and miss, but Oakland's a great, great option for sure. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I, it, the Braves need it. We'll talk about Soroka later. He was a listener question, but the Braves need it in a big, big way. This is a guy that, A, I told Bloomfield a couple weeks ago, I always think it's Blake Lively when I see the deal, but I know it's not. Oh, it's actually. Actress. Uh, ben Lively. Ben Lively, the Cincinnati Reds, added in 69 leagues as high as $41, as low as a dollar. He's made two starts. He had two bullpen appearances. Now he's made two starts in the rotation, 11 and two-thirds innings, five and two-thirds or more in each start, two runs or less in each, eight Ks in both. 309 ERA, 283 XFIP. Both of those were in Great American Small Park against the Cardinals and the Yankees. Like, that is uh, shocker city. And then this week, he's got a two-step at Boston and then at home in Great American against the Brewers. Are you believing in this? Because I I find it so hard to trust this. Like I, I just can't. Great American Small Park at eight. I've I've talked about it with Hunter Green before his dominating start in Wrigley. His previous four starts, people thought he was broken. But it was three in Great American and one in Coors. He finally got out of the hellhole and he pitched great. Like it's amazing what happens when you get out of there. I think you know lively. You know kudos, I guess. But you know only a twenty eight percent O swing doesn't like shocked me a 91% zone contact that won't last long in great American. So what are you seeing here? Because I know I, I get why people picked him up. 
but at the same time, it's like those are two amazing starts against two decent offenses at home, and that's just crazy to see. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I he deserves a deeper dive than I'm able to give on the fly here. I probably I just it's wild. You mentioned the swing strike rate is below league average. The chase rate is below league average, not in good ways. He's he's inducing a ton of contact, which isn't always a bad thing when it's if, if it's on the ground. Is his ground ball ground ball rates forty eight point nine percent? So at least he's inducing good ground ball rates. He has a twenty percent home run the fly ball rate. So that hasn't bit him in the butt yet. That's the thing. Thirty three percent fly ball rate. 20% home run to fly ball rate, and you know those fly balls are going to fly. However, 2.65 ERA, the Sierra is 3.15. The XFIP, it's, it's all there. Like the XFIP yeah. is 3.12. The XERA, which I don't even know what that does, but it's 2.51. I don't know XERA at all. But I, my point is, is all the other, all the indicators, including the XERA, which I've heard, I heard people, some people mention, some people don't really care for it. The only yeah. thing low, the only thing high is the FIP, and that's like the one I don't look at compared to XFIP. Yeah, and Sierra, I look at XFIP so. and Sierra, those are the two I care And about. those are in line. And the and the thing is, is the big thing is the came the K minus walk rate is good. It's not like it's not okay. It is it's twenty two point seven percent. I'm pretty sure average. league. I'm pretty sure league average is like fifteen ish percent. You want anybody usually. over twenty percent? You consider 20, pretty good. Yeah. As I'm saying, That's 20% like is like 20% is almost like that 30% CSW mark in a start. Yeah, it's just yeah, kind of 20% like, is my Mason Dixon line. If you get above like 25 or really good, if you're above 30, you're awesome. So that's kind yeah, of how you, That's why I'm like, um, okay. So I'm over here. I'm uh I'm I'm really intrigued by this. I just don't know how much I could buy into it. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, and you, it, you mentioned it. It's the it's the it's the park. The ballpark doesn't do many favors. He's but right now the fact that he's limiting the hard contact the way he is, he's he's limiting the barrels compared to years past. But then if you go look at his four seam, uh, like his uh, where he leaves the four seamer, it's like there's a lot of plate. He's hitting a lot of the zone, not in a good way. So I don't know. I mean, the velo is, it's, I think it's even down from last. I don't know. Is there, he's getting more extension, which helps. You know, that's okay. So he's, he's uh, so Lively's getting a lot more extension on his pitches than he did in, the, in years past. And that could be helping with deception. So it, it could help. But even then, I don't, I'm not seeing it. I, I don't, I don't know. It feels like it feels fluky, but there are a lot of reasons to say it's. I just I w- I wouldn't stream him comfortably. I probably wouldn't stream him at all. And I if I miss out, I'm fine with that. But a 31 year old breakout pitcher, that's more rare than your 30 year old breakout hitters these days. I don't I don't know. And the, you mentioned the ballpark. I think it's a cool story. It's a great story. <laughs> and Boston is, Boston's been scuffling, so that, that's not a bad look. Milwaukee's banged up. We'll see, we'll see how it plays out. It's but it's at home. Oh, I know, I know. But his last two starts against St. Louis, New York, a twenty percent home run to fly ball rate. Even when he's barely, oh, he's barely. I he's, didn't pick him up anywhere. I didn't even put a bid in for the guy. I'm not trying to justify it. And ninety-two percent uh, strand rate. Like, oh. Hey, and if you really think about it, fourteen babbit. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep finding regression the, points. The, the take home is he was still not added in like hundred and fifty other leagues. So <laughs> we'll see how this week goes. I mean, and, uh, we're not alone. Is what I'm trying to say. The thing is, though, is if you're looking at the underlying numbers, there's a lot of reasons for optimism. I just don't believe in all the underlying numbers because because of the the strand rate being so high, the Babbitt being so low. Those are things that are going to naturally regress. He's still giving up a ton of home runs, even while not getting hit hard. The not not getting hit hard part's not going to last. I think as pitchers get more of a look of teams get more of a look at him. Doesn't he has terrible fastball spin? Like he has terrible velocity. Like I don't. There's I'm I'm trying. I yeah. I can't find a reason to be over optimistic other than the underlying numbers, which is why I usually believe in for lively. So. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's smoke and mirrors right now. I I, th- I don't think there's smoke and f- I don't think it's where there's smoke is fire situation. I think this is just more of a optical illusion. They're lively, with you, like David Copperfield, as they'd say. Uh, the last player I want to mention for Fab before we do the listener questions because we have a good amount of them 
is Nolan Jones. And I wanted to mention him because we talked about him before the show. And it's a guy that you and I both loved in preseason. I have him on so many draft and hold teams. He's in everywhere. We'll talk about if that's good or bad in a minute. Um, but he was picked up in 67 leagues, as high as 141, as low as a dollar. So that means he's available in a lot of places, folks. That's one thing I'll say. I joked about it when I tweeted it on Friday because they called him up before. He never played. That was fun. But he's in the starting lineup Friday. He's in the starting lineup Saturday. He's in the starting lineup Sunday. Batting seventh every day, playing first base. He had three hits, including a double, two RBIs, struck out nearly 42%, which is less than ideal. But it's three games. Uh, in the minor leagues, Jones was hitting 356, 12 homers, five stolen bases. We know the talent he has. How excited are you about this? And why is he not added in more leagues? Well, I think it's because they're the Rockies next week they're in Coors. Yeah, well, that's the thing you got you got ahead of the market because and but this week they had they had seven games against yep. good matchups. We're talking about the the Diamondbacks who have like mediocre pitching and then the Royals. So I think it was the Royals was the second half series yeah. here. Yeah, he gets so, Nelson, Gallon, Henry, Davies for Arizona, then Lyles, Singer, Lynch for Kansas City. That is some juicy, juicy matchups. That's kind of the point. Like, I don't understand what there is. To, now the issue is, is the first game of the week against the righty. They're sitting Jones in favor of Mustakas. Are they just giving him a break? They play these games. I know they like to get Mustakas in there every like once every third or fourth game. It seems like, but it's just wild to me. And they did this while also having Blackman on like bereavement leave. Yep. So it's like they they actually made a point to block him like multiple ways today. And and that's the thing. Jones can play outfield. He's probably gonna gain first base eligibility now. Obviously, he's probably going to platoon more times than I. I still, I'm still starting him for the week because I think he'll start at least. I think he'll probably pinch it today, pinch it against the other against the lefty this week, and then probably start two out of the last three games. I, that's the problem, though. He's a deeper league guy. I, I, I think we got him. I think I got him in our OCQ, but I'm not happy about it now. Considering I think I overpaid. I think I think that was a guy that there's a little bit of a bias there because you mentioned it. we were we've been in on him since the draft season. He's in like a few sleeper articles. He's in I think I wrote him up like as part of my sleeper stuff for like the athletic. I did a video for YouTube. I've been pretty vocal about being in on Nolan Jones. So having I think getting ahead of, but the thing is is we're ahead of it for the week. I I'm looking at like I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah, the home it's a full so is it seven game slate at yeah. home or six? It's it's also, full yeah, it's full week. I was say it's a full week regardless and that's you start him now if it's a full week and it's like five lefties now we're like oh crap, well there goes that fun. That's the thing I haven't looked at that part of the matchups yet, but uh I digress. That part it's still still early in the week to look at that, but at the end of the day I think Jones is a solid upside play, toolsy player, but they're obviously the downside is a it's the Rockies, how they treat their players, and B, Crones uh, probably do back in a couple weeks. I know he's getting, some, I know Jones will get some runs, so maybe by then it'll figure itself out. Especially with guys like Willie, uh, not Willie, that's another Castro, the Harold Castro, and oh, others Castro. kind of factoring in right now. I don't think that those should stop Jones. I don't know why they'd call him up, and they shouldn't call him up not to see what they got there because Jones has lost that prospect, like that, not the pedigree, but he's lost that prospect, like allure that people yeah. had on him have for him. So. I think at the end of the day, it would be smart for the Rockies to see what they have there. I like to think the new management might be smarter considering that they look, look what they did with Tovar. They treated him unlike any other Rockies prospect we've seen them treat. Not that it's worked out for them, but why would they do that with him and not just give this kid a chance? And he's a lefty, so he has a chance for at least a strong side platoon too. I don't know. I'm just more so frustrated given I'm, – I'm more so frustrated given, you know, the – the way they've treated the fact that they're sitting him already, it's not like he needs a break. They they don't sit other guys like Ryan McMahon never sits. Eli, Eli, Elias 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 or Elias? I call it Elias. Could be Elias. Yeah. Well, Diaz barely sits. Profar barely sits, and they're sitting this kid on his third game. Like, okay, whatever. Do yeah. you, do you Rockies? Do you? But uh, yeah. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just at the end yeah, of the day, I, 
at the end of the day, I just like the upside. I think I'm just, I think I might just be venting at the way they're using them type of thing. Yeah, already, this but. is why I want to bring them up. Um, <laughs> I like them. I, like I, them. I will say before we go to listener questions right now, Jake McCarthy in his first dive added a two run single and then he stole a base and scored a run. There so there is. goes, there goes, there goes that for everything. Well, um, that happened last week. I, th- I think I poo pooed somebody else at the end of the, I think, I think I under, I undersold McLean. Like, I liked them, but I didn't like them enough. And I'm thinking maybe he I should have like, been, he had like 500 on the week and everything. I should have yeah. had, I should have been a little more optimistic, just basically, well, just banking on the ballpark. I don't know. I just, it was, Maybe I should have been more optimistic. I don't, I, I'm just spec. I'm very. When it comes to rookies and general hitters, oh, I'm, I'm I'm a little I'm a little more a little more skeptical with rookie hitters. But because like you see what uh, Francisco Alvarez took like a month to get going. You see uh, Vientos is barely playing. Beatty hasn't done much, and Beatty was thought to be a really solid prospect, you know, hitter. I'm sure they'll they'll be better, but you get there. I think there's more misses than hits with hitters, and that's why I'm like a little more tempering my expectations with the uh, rookie hitters, but McLean's looked every bit of as advertised. So I wish I was a little more aggressive in my bids on them. Cause I could definitely use that type of skill set right about now. I'd say yep, <laughs> pretty, pretty good right now. That's for sure. Well, uh, I mean, so some other listener questions, we already got the Zach McKinstry one FanDuel and fantasy IQ asked for about Luke Rayleigh. We talked about him a bit ago. Um, John Russell asks, why aren't more people talking about Josh Young going back and reading articles published a lot of industry writers had written off young or, and or passed up on him for the hype of Jordan Walker. Now, as we start June, is it safe that Jung is, uh, is it safe? It's a safe bet. Jung is most teams home run leader. I almost commented on this tweet, but I waited because I know someone on the other side of this screen has strong thoughts on young. And I do as well, because I've been, like, we were on the same page on this whole waiting on third base window. So um, John, check out our content. <laughs> uh so i so it's funny because i look back at my very first team and i remember poo-pooing it because josh young was my starting third baseman because i waited on third base on my very first like november draft which is like dgen central where i'm like all right because I, I was very big on josh young the year before the injury happened the sh- it was a shoulder too came back slow finish not the best but the, we were where you're removed where everybody was super excited to be drafting him has that like i think he would have been like a top 150 200 pick that year had he not been like almost like the price that he was this year was the price he was supposed to have last year, maybe a little less because I think there were some expectations from the start in the minors, but young was a guy that was like pushing to bring camp last year. The injury set him back, missed most of the year. We all know that. So it's almost like he's fitting into that Duran Josh Lowe mold of like post hype prospects, but no one's talking about him. The strikeouts are still an issue, but it's weird because he's, you know, young's never been a strikeout guy. So I'm surprised that the strikeouts are such a thing, but man, he's barreling the ball solid two straight years. Now double digit barrel rate for Josh young. The hard hit rate is up a lot, and maybe that speaks to the health. Maybe he's able to hit the ball more because or harder because the shoulder is fully healthy. There's a lot of reasons like him. He elevates the ball a ton, only a 35.8% ground ball rate, which is something Young's always done. He's been a big fly ball hitter and line drive hitter, and those things will help the power play up. So he's barreling the ball, putting in an air ton, making league average zone contact, which is I mean, or a little less than league average, which is fine. He doesn't chase a ton, a little above average, a little worse than average, I should say. And technically a little worse average swing strike rate, but explains the strikeouts being an issue. It's not necessarily swing and miss. Like there's there's some passivity there, but it's there is swing and miss. I can't sit there and say there's not, but it's not like it's not like a huge like red flag. 12%, 13% where it was last year, and the swing strike rate being at, uh, like I said, league average being 11% explains why he's having some strikeout issues he's not chasing a whole lot he's making decent contact not good not great so the strikeouts being there i'm not overly concerned because i think he does enough to overcome that in terms of the production i don't think the 358 bad is sustaining for young the batting average might be more closer closer to like a 250 260 i think he's more like what 
we expect from Matt Chapman. And I think Matt Chapman's kind of trending back towards being Matt Chapman, considering, you know, the slow May for him. But I think Josh Young is going to be what we expect to get from Matt Chapman to kind of like that 260 batting average. He could be pushing close to 30 home runs by the end of the season. And he's a middle order bat who's going to play every day. And that prospect pedigree. And who's to say he doesn't fix the strikeout issues? Because again, before last year, he never had them. It's never been an issue for him. The most he's ever struck out in, in any level was 22.6%. And he's always been a solid plate approach guy. So the fact that the strikeout oh, prior again, prior to last year, the strikeout rate was horrendous last year. But hovering near 30% doesn't seem like his game. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little biased because I was in on him and he's producing, but he went through a cold spell and he bounced right back out of it. And he's been doing really well ever since again. So I don't I don't know what to think about that. The strikeouts are really weird to me again, because I'm not seeing a huge red flag in any of the approach to suggest that these strikeouts are going to sustain being this high. So maybe that's a, maybe I should, maybe it will come down a little bit, but the bad is going to come with it. Yeah. Like I said, two sixty. if he dropped 20 points of batting average while sustaining the power production, I, I'm okay with that. It's kind of what I signed up for. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And John, I was being sarcastic by the way yeah. to start out, but, uh, but I, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do tweet a ton and I do. I know it's one of Curlin's boys. That's why I was like, oh, I'm going to wait a, for this show on that one. It's a thousand percent. Uh, like I do, I put out so much. I, I sometimes, I guess some of my stuff gets over. Yeah. It, it's, it's yeah. part of, it's bittersweet. I put out a lot, put out a lot of information, but I also probably hide a lot of my information in the process of putting out so much. Uh, young 88 asks, Badu is a free agent in my league. What level of outfielder would you drop from Rooker to high? I drop Rooker for Badu right now. Yeah, I think that's kind of where you're at. Yeah, because I know range. Rooker, yeah. I know Rooker's well, the problem is, is Rooker was so good for such a like prolonged period and finally came back down to earth the last couple weeks. It feels he, like, or at least he's being who we thought he was. So it's one of those things where I would still try to go a little, I mean, I don't know how much lower you have than Rooker, but um, I mean, like right now, if I, I so I'm trying to think, Jesus Sanchez. But it's a kind of a linear move. I like both of them a lot, though. So I might bet on – that would be more team need. Like, do I want to go for power? Or do I want that batting average-ish help right now with a guy with a little more speed upside? But, yeah, I think Rooker might be the right area. I just I, – I'm, I'm very apprehensive to drop Rooker considering that hot run. I feel like he can go right back on one of those, and I would hate to be like, hey, drop him just for that to happen. But I say but, that's after you – assuming you banked most of these stats already – for Rooker, I, I think that's a good spot. I'm trying. I, I just, yeah, I'm apprehensive because if I hate it, I feel like every year if there's a handful of names where I'm like, yeah, hey, go ahead and drop them, and they are absolute like terrible, terrible recommendations. <laughs> and those are the ones you remember. You don't remember all the right stuff you get right. You always remember oh, what you never. get wrong. 100%. Everybody, that's people treat you that way. But also me personally, I don't remember what I get right. I remember everything I get wrong. I'm gonna be haunted. I don't care if Morel goes oh for the rest of the year. I'm gonna remember the two weeks I could have had him for that hot stretch. All those home runs you missed. And I'm still like top three in my league in home runs. So imagine, but imagine what it, it, it plays into the well, what if? Imagine, imagine, you know, what if? That's yeah. what I think of. Yeah, they wrote songs about that. At Bunker Posey asks, what does the Cincy infield look like rest of the season with India, Steer, Sinzel, McLean, Votto, Myers, Newman, and De La Cruz strand on the way? I honestly, um, let me pull this up real quick. I was a, a, a person I follow tweeted this earlier today and it actually made a lot of sense because you can move some of those guys just out of there we don't need all those players but uh he said in reality this is rod at uh, khaki birds on twitter said first base could be steer and ces uh, second base india mclean shortstop could either be mclean or ellie uh, third base could be steer or ellie and then the outfield be himself friedel fraley dh could be ces india so Votto's out of the picture and that could be a real thing actually but there's ways with so, so many of those hard. guys playing multiple positions you can make it work 
It's so hard to see him be out of it just because uh, Bob get, that is. When he gets back, he'll get a chance, but I think he also doesn't want to sit there and look embarrassing. Oh, absolutely. And he maybe he'll and maybe he'll actually welcome that type of role as a older guy, younger clubhouse like, like Miggy. Yeah. So yeah, this so this year I was looking Strand and Dela Cruz have both played third base this year. So they are getting reps in the minors at third base, which which matters. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz, I think, comes up first. because And Strand, is his strikeout rate, they're both at similar strikeout rates, but right now, you have to think about Ellie. I think Ellie started close to like 30-something percent, so he's down 26%. So he's just on an absolute, absolute heater. It's not even fair how hot Ellie De La Cruz is. But people mentioned De La Cruz playing center. I would have been like, all right, cool. But I, he's never even played the outfield as far as I see in his minor league track record. So I don't think De La Cruz is going to play center, uh, center field. Somebody, I don't follow minor leagues as close as others. So someone mentioned that. I kind of just – I meant to, and that's why I looked into it right now because that's what triggered that thought. But I think ultimately we're going to see Indy at second. We're going to see Steer and CES first base slash DH like you mentioned. I, I think we're going to see McLean shortstop or third and then De La Cruz shortstop or third. But I think that's going to be your infield. And DH situation, and you mentioned it. if Bottle comes back, by the time Bottle comes back, Who we could see some, we, even around. Well, that or we could see someone. Yeah, exactly. It should figure. I think it's going to figure itself out. Everyone's yeah. just assuming. Everyone's seeing McLean find success right now, and assuming that everyone's going to find that level of success right away. And that's not going to be the case. There's a good chance that both those guys come up. And honestly, there's probably a better chance that both of them get sent back down in a month than both of them even being serviceable in a month. But yeah. we like to just we like to be optimistic. We like to think. Well, this is, you know, these are the, these are the guys, these are, you know, these are, they're all going to hit, but I think it was, it's just one of those things where that's not always the case and you got to understand that, but by then it'll figure itself out. But if everything clicks, I think the infield that I think we just outlined kind of what to expect with the infield and the outfield I'm with you. I think it's that simple. I think it's going to be your, I think it's gonna be those three fairly and Friedel being the two guys just know they're going to platoon Myers might factor in as a weak side platoon partner or DFA. I think, it's I think Myers is gone. I think, <laughs> I think and, uh, he's done when he comes back from the IL. And then with, Stuart yeah. Fairchild. Fairchild's been a weak side platoon bat to this yeah. point anyway. So, yeah, it'll all work yeah. itself out. It usually does in the end. Uh, Paulie Walnuts asks, when does the Moniac hot start end and when does Ward pick up? Okay, Moniac will definitely cool down. There's no keeping up with, you know, the crazy Babip and everything else. But this is a guy that I talked about last year he actually finished the year pretty strong like in for moniac standards in a platoon situation um he was the former number one overall pick so there's definitely talent there to be seen i think he could make a great platoon partner with ward honestly because ward is just ward's done this before and he's gotten hot streaks i'm not foolish to this but this might be more the player like he might be not the hot hot guy but not this guy so platoon might be perfect for him and i think that's something to think about I still don't understand what's going on with Ward. I just I don't get it. The hard hit rate's right in line with last year. He is barreling the ball less. Ward is hitting more ground balls. And I think we talked about this, him getting on top of I think his under and his over, like his top percentage. Like, well, I think it might have been top, which makes sense because if his top percentage is up, that means the ground balls are up. That could just be part of it. Maybe he's not seeing the ball as well. I don't think there's an injury there. At least last year we knew there was an injury. So when you took away the injuries, and like that was the whole like we I think Waxman because you know he's a jerk he likes to poke fun at everything he's like yeah look at where's all this now because he pulled up every tweet with everyone highlighting the same information you know like this was him after the injury or after you know he played through the injury got healthy look how well he finished ward isn't he's 65.5 percent pulled ground balls right now he's not pulling the ball in the air which i know i harp on that a lot but it's a really big indicator of what to expect in terms of power and ward just hasn't been produced the power is not going to be there and if you're putting the ball on the ground that much and you're pulling the ball on the ground that much more as well then the power really won't come. So I think it's just a matter of him getting back 
to elevating the ball more and a lot can happen because Ward has a lot of underlying stuff like strikeout rates still just the same. I don't, I, it's his page isn't loading for me to look at more right now, but um, Moniac's funny. You mentioned him. He's like, Oh, for eight in his last two games. So he's already kind of coming back to cool earth. But I, think the, <laughs> I think he's going to cool down, but in the end, I think he's still serviceable. Like we saw oh, in the last like, yeah. September with the angels. He was very, very serviceable. Oh yeah. I, I think that's the thing though. I think he's serviceable. But I don't think he's going to, I don't know if he's going to be good enough to hold back ward if ward can get going yeah, that's the that's thing right. i think it's one of those things where he's holding it down for now but we're already seeing i mean moniac was coming he's he, he cut down his strikeout rate moniac has and it's down to 35 percent. that's cutting it down for him from where he started the first week or so <laughs> ward is still a 91 percent z contact he is swinging outside the zone more so i wonder if he's also just pressing is ward pressing causing that and because he's pressing he's making contact on those same pitches he's swinging at and chasing which is leading to more weak contact probably so there's stuff like that to look at with Ward. It could be just approach thing. It could be like, hey, maybe you know, give him a few games off, let him figure it out. But I don't know. There are reasons to be concerned. I just it's weird though because there's not that many red flags with in Ward's profile compared to your typical like, what happened to you know when you ask for like, oh, what happened to this guy? I'm not seeing as many red flags in his approach and in in Ward's profile as I am your typical like, look at like Jose Abreu for reference. You know, like a, a guy who just it fell out fell off out of nowhere type of thing, or at least had some like. Here's a potential for fall off. Ward didn't have that, and I still don't see it in the in the profile to suggest that this is going to be a sustained uh, slump all season. But I, I could be wrong. It's, check it's... check check this out for fun. Rest of season projections. The bad X has Ward playing 66 games, 11 homers, three stolen bases, hitting 268. The bad X has Mickey Moniak playing 57 games, nine fewer games, nine home runs, four stolen bases, two fewer homers, one more stolen base, hitting 228. So basically, has them platooning. Is the way I look at it platooning and and producing, producing like they took, they, they took they took the projection cut it in half and said you get this half yeah, you get this basically i think so they're equally as confused as we are when it comes yeah. to uh what to expect here yeah, like i love listener questions keep them all coming but there's certain things you just look at and go you got to see how the team plays it out like you throw your hands up in the air and hot like, yeah. streaks will cool down it's just a matter how far they cool down and then like little tweaks because like you said you looked at taylor like you look at ward stuff and you're like oh, there's not a ton like there's a few things but they seem fixable yeah so like that's how, how, is. how's fixable. this how's this gonna be a you know it's a long season the guys are gonna slump it's just natural when uh, do we stop calling it a long season we i know four months is a long time but i, I don't I, I feel like we we look at this game we, we now here comes a tangent sorry guys but i'm looking at it like we, we talk we call it a long season we say we have a ton of time left but i don't know about you but these weeks fly by before i know it it'll be wednesday and i'm thinking okay now i gotta think about thursday's changes in my lineups and then i'm thinking about fab starting thursday like i'm really like i'm starting to make my cues on monday and i'm and th- thursday i start forming it and by saturday i'm usually set and ready to go just changing prices throughout the weekend and I, I feel like before you know it, a month is gone. So it's one of those things where I understand in the grand scheme, it's a long season, but you got to, you can't just, we can't keep, I feel like as a whole, oh, I as dropped industry, Taylor Ward. It's a long season, but I dropped him. I'm not saying that. But, but, and you're not, but you're just, you're also willing to make that, if it's a mistake, you're willing to understand that it's a mistake. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. But I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking as a, as a whole, I feel like we use it, oh, it's a long season as a catch all for things as an industry not just you me talking about as a whole as all of us that talk on pods we just say oh it's a long season a lot can change i think that's obvious and i understand that we feel the need to point that out because in some situations it needs to be pointed out but the season isn't that long anymore six months was long four months is still longer but at, at halfway through the season standings really start solidifying now and really solidify it's really hard to you know make a ton of movement come july and we're already creeping into june and a lot's going to change but 
that change has less and less effect on your rosters, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I look at it like I'm trying to play this game week by week. I'm not looking, there's, that's why, and here, this will help you because you hate rest of season questions because we talk rest of season all the time. And I actually heard Vlad Settler say that he hates them as well. So maybe I think it's, oh yeah, because it's not just me and you complaining about it behind the scenes. How I hate rest of season questions because I'm so focused on week to week. Not even, I would say day to day, but I don't do daily. But even if I did daily, I'm looking at it still week at a time, two weeks at a time because I'm trying to, I'm trying to win everything right now. I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to really, put, I'm trying to build this masterpiece and I'm trying to get as much as I can value wise out of every player, out of every move I make week by week. Trying to try to try to think long term, aggressive season. That's where it's like we got to, I feel like getting away from that is the smart way to go because unless you're in a dynasty format, you're, you can play for a year out. You can play for two years out. But in a redraft format, you're playing for the production now. Am I really going to sit on my hands on Tyler, Taylor Ward in a shallower format when I can get production off the waiver wire? No. But in a deeper league, in a deeper league, I'm definitely benching them, but I'm not starting them just because I hope it works out. Or like when uh, Abreu's been terrible, I'm not starting him just because I think he'll get going. I, I don't, I'm not playing with – I'm not trying to – I'm not just using my gut for these calls. Sometimes I'll play – I'll use my gut because – well, sometimes I just don't have an option. <laughs> like this week, I, I lost Adamas. I, I picked up Marcano knowing Marcano only ha- he has three lefties, so he's likely not playing against three lefties. But that was a gut move because I think he offers enough upside, and he'll I know he pinch hits in those games. But anyway, it's a whole other discussion. We're going to get to our ads and reasons why later. But I don't know. I just think I, I get frustrated because rest of season outlooks, long season talk. I think we need to be so – I think we need to be more micro – more focused on the, on the here and now and the near future instead of always saying – it's a long season. Things can change. And yes, I, I, I just think maybe, maybe it's just obvious. Maybe I think we, we keep repeating it as, as, cause it's an obvious thing that we need to say and almost as a, like a coverall reasoning behind things, but it's, it's, I think maybe it's more the rest of season. outlook thing that pisses me off more than anything else. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just taking out my annoyance with the rest of season stuff thinking big, cause it's, it's like big picture. You want to look think big picture, but in order to get to the big picture, you got to think small. You got to think small micro moves to get to that macro move. And I don't know. I I, th- I think when you think long season, I think that's where you, I think when you think, okay, it's a long season, that's how you treat your bench. Maybe you treat your stash spots. You treat your, like, you got to think like, so that's why I made this mistake thinking too short term. That's what led me to, let me not make sure I don't get one zero for half a week. So I made sure I had a, a, a roster spot. I made sure I had everybody covered on my bench. So I didn't take a single zero for even half a week. Meanwhile, if I did that, if I was willing to do that or take that risk to do that, at least, because it wasn't even guaranteed I would. I just made sure I didn't have the opportunity to. That risk and that that whole long-term outlook of like, oh, I'm not going to take a zero for like in week two because that could hurt me in week 18, that cost me morale because I wasn't willing to sit on him and see where it went. And that that's what made me take that chance on Julian where I ended up getting him a week early, very fortunate because obviously it took a lot for him to get that call up. I understand that. It was luck. I'm not here to argue otherwise. But it was that mindset, that shift in mindset, making me realize I can't think such big picture. I can't think such small. I, there's times to think small, uh, small, you know, short term. There's times to think long term, and that's where I thought long term. Like, all right, well, I have a spot here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dedicate it to stashing a player I think can be a difference maker in the future, but. I still can't sit there and give it a rest of season outlook because I'm just, I'm taking, it's, it's frustrating. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, it's a whole, I went off on like three different tangents in one. I'm, I know, sorry. I'm trying to figure out where we came back to on this one. I don't know. I forgot. I forgot why the tangent even went <laughs> off. I just, it's just frustrating. I, I hate, okay. At the end of the day, I hate, I hate rest I hate, of season. Yes. I hate rest of season rankings. I think, yes. I think it's player dependent, situation dependent. And I think it really just matters 
like right now i can't sit here and think rest of season with my mullins ad i gotta go think i'm probably playing it week to week that's there's no rest of season outlook for that ad there's nobody that's gonna the bottom line is you want to play to win the week not win the next four months this week if i can't i mean and but but and but it's always going to depend on do i view most player the thing is i think most players won't do that you have to pick and choose which players you think can that's what gets you these big bids on these starting pitchers that's what's going to draw these big bids on on uh lewis this week that's what's you know i mean people are going to view these guys and that's the that's the appropriate time to view it but 99 percent of them realizing is not those big picture moves it's mostly small picture it's almost pieces of the puzzle to get to that big piece of the puzzle whereas that might be like whereas Lewis has the opportunity, and I'm using Lewis because it's the obvious name. I'm not, there's no secrets here. Lewis is that guy that people are going to view as okay. This is a big piece of the puzzle. Like I'm missing a corner piece, and that's it. You know what I mean? And that's where you got to kind of pick and choose these moves. And I think it's the appropriate time to do so. But at the end of the day, you got to. I don't know. It's just it's frustrating. There's just more to it than I think. Oh, what I think you said. Uh, I think what triggered this whole thing was the whole um. The whole rest, uh, long season. It's, a, it's a long season thing. I'm like, is it though? It's a, th- a third, it's a third, but my comments, this, this is where you didn't let me develop I that never, for you. You I went on your you. rant, yes, I know it's a long season because it is, it's four more months to go. Does that mean it's a long season to wait for in fantasy? No, but it is a long season. That wasn't yes. you, you misinterpreted what I was saying. I, well, I, it wasn't you. I think you, <laughs> I think you triggered something that's been building up as I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I listen to as many as I can, and a lot of great, there's a lot of great stuff out there, but there's a lot of stuff that just frustrates me because people use things as a blanket excuse or as a blanket reasoning, and you need to always give more. And it's everything, every play, everything is player specific, team specific, need specific. You have to understand that everything you do, and maybe I'm just over, maybe I'm galaxy braining it because I that's how I treat my teams. And I know the average player probably doesn't need to do the amount of thinking for a roster spot that I'm, that I'm putting into it. Maybe even I don't, I can, I can argue that maybe I, maybe I'm overdoing it. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm overanalyzing it. I'm aware. Not, not you never. No, me never. But at the end of the day, I also think that that level of thinking and analysis is really, really valuable in certain formats. And that's why I, and that's why when I hear other things, they trigger me because I'm sitting here thinking this way and maybe my way of thinking isn't correct all the time. But it's just it triggers me when I'm thinking like this and people just kind of brush it off and like just kind of again the blanket statements drive me nuts. So anyway, I'm gonna have to give you a comment clock, like a pitch clock. It's gonna be pretty fun here because the Giants have scored five runs since you started your rant. So <laughs> Amazing. Pretty, pretty impressive. Um, why are you standing up? Asks, should we add Ben Joyce now or give him an appearance or two? Uh, ben Joyce got called up by the Angels from double A. He was a closer in double A, had four saves on the season. He also had 13 walks in 15 and two thirds innings to go with his 24K. So Big out, big strikeout arm, lots of walks and control issues. I would just sit and watch for now personally, but maybe I'm missing something, Curlin. I think he's the next man up if he can come up and because you know he showed it in spring a little bit. They sent him down for a reason though. I know he dealt with some control issues, so uh, Joyce is a guy that you're adding in holds leagues. I think he would, but I do think if Estevez, if they decide to trade Estevez for some reason come midseason, or if Estevez finds himself in some trouble, I think he had, I think he earned himself a little bit of leash. So, but I think at the end of the day, that's all he is, is more of a handcuff, so to speak. Close your handcuff. And then the last question is from uh, Kid C, the Kid Canada. Willie Castro was a guy he was curious about. He's been playing a ton for Colorado. He kind of mentioned that earlier uh, with all their injuries and situations. Played all over the outfield, some third base, some second base. Super utility type guy. Hitting 258 on the year with four homers, eight stolen bases. He seemed like he'd be the quick one out if uh, more players were to get called up, per se, or guys get healthy. But anything on Willie Castro? 
I mean, after all the stuff, you know, all the kids came up and all that right now, and Castro's batting eighth today. So obviously they're not viewing, I don't think they view him as more than like, hey, look, Castro's running hot. We're going to keep trotting him out there as long as he's hitting. But I don't think they, I mean, maybe I'm misreading it, but when you sit there and you bring up Lewis, you bat him fifth. You bring up Kepler, you activate Kepler, you put him sixth. You, yeah. Castro's still, while hitting as well as he is, batting eighth. So I think that's kind of how they view him. And if you look at Castro, He's somebody you ride while he's running hot. We've seen Castro run like this before. We've seen him run pure. We've seen Castro be very, very relevant in fantasy for the power and speed. I think that's what he's doing right now. I think you kind of run with it. Again, you don't have to believe in it to run with it. Barrel rate's up. The hard hit rate's up. He's doing things right. You know, he's elevating the ball more than ever. And I love how it's like, you see my process. I kind of go down, like I go down the stat cast page. I look at the batted ball profile. I go down the, to the, to the plate discipline. I kind of do this for every single hitter. And then I kind of go for, see where it dictates me from here. The contact rates are terrible. Swing strike rate is a mess. The chase rate is still 40%, which is awful. Again, the league average being closer to 31%. So at the end of the day, Castro's running hot. You're running with it. And once it cools down, you're probably dropping. I don't see long-term sustainability here yep. for Willie Castro. 100% with you. Let's go over our fab results for the week. If you got those, Curlin, let's see. What did you do in your main event league? Couldn't imagine what I did. I I think I mentioned it. So uh, the big thing was, obviously, Willie Domus is out for at least the week. I figured, you know, seven to ten days with a concussion, you never know. So I got – I can never say his name, so we're going to call him Marcano. First name starts with a T for the Pirates. He's been leading off. He's leading off today. So it's like I think two or three straight he's been leading off. We, uh, we know there's a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed there. Multiple, he's second shortstop and outfield eligible. I also needed outfield depth before the Mullins injury. So that was kind of one of those things where I'm like, if there's anything to this Marcano ad, he can at least be a bench option with all that eligibility. So right now he could be one of those guys that fills in in the outfield when Adamas returns because that's kind of a – it kind of works out that way without it even meaning to Nolan Jones. We talked about already. He was one. I got him. Uh, I dropped. So I'm trying to think you, I like how you add who you dropped. I think, I know I dropped the players. I dropped were uh, Harold Castro this week, Garrett Cooper, which in a deeper league, a lot of people wouldn't drop him. I know he's still like 90 something percent rostered in mains. I got ahead of that. Cause I was like, he's not doing it for me. What I need from him was batting average. He's not even giving me that right now. I know he'll probably come around, but anyway, Garrett Cooper, um, Willie, Ca- uh, sorry, not Willie Castro, Harold Castro, and I forgot who the other one is. I don't think it really matters. Oh, it was uh, the guy I added last week, uh, Derek Hall, just for the upside. I didn't have room to stash him anymore, so bye bye. Jesus Sanchez was the third guy I added, and kind of goes back to why I added him a couple weeks ago. We talked about him on the show. I we saw the we saw him putting it together. We saw Sanchez, we know the power is legitimate, we know he'll play against righties, and this is a team that's probably gonna let him see if he can get going again and let him run it out, run out there. Just you, he's a guy that you're, you're playing, you're streaming off the bench with his matchups. And I mentioned it this week, Monday through Monday, Thursday, you're sitting them Friday through Sunday. You're starting them with three righties against Oakland. doesn't get much better than that. So Marcano for the pirates, Sanchez, Sanchez and Nolan Jones are my three ads. I kept it. I tried to keep it cheap this week, knowing I need to save some money. We're coming down to, you know, again, we're coming down to about midway point of the season. And I I'm fourth, I'm fifth in my league and I, and I only have $406 left. So it's not a lot. Like I know it's a lot compared to a lot of guys you hear on pods, and a lot of other guys, but that's really not a lot of money at this point of the year in a, in a typical year. I know things weren't, haven't been very typical with injuries and call-ups, but trying to trying to play it smart trying to keep it safe I, I might have one more decent bid in me i just don't know if i want to go that route yet or if i want to play the let's keep it cheap for the foreseeable future and just kind of chip away at ads drops as drops and have money left for the second half of the season it's, okay. it's you, one you want, all, it's, you want all you want all that money for that long season ahead yeah i know i hate you <laughs> I, I i knew I, I knew i set myself up for that but at the same time <laughs> 
at the same time <laughs> yeah i know i was over that but i think it's 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 a catch-all man it's team specific there's a lot of players i'm messing with you carlin it's okay I, I it. but i but i i deserve that i deserve that because i went on this whole diatribe on about it and it, and it ends up being like <laughs> one thing instantly you make so you mean because the season's long right mike right yeah well yep. like now, no now you're saving it for <laughs> I, I, know, I know it's a long season but it's one of those things where I'm, I'm trying to be smart about it because we have limited funds for the remaining seasons yes. Yes, remaining exactly. i hate you all right my ads and my three ocs for the weeks here out of jp france who's had a mixed bag today up some runs but they get the strikeouts i've streamed him off and on this whole season because there is a lot i think to like about him plus the astros $9 to $1 runner-up, dropped Luis Medina, who I streamed last week for a buck. Uh, added Edward Cabrera. This one made me happy. Dropped Luis Ortiz. Added Cabrera, $7 runner-up, a 6. Added Mickey Moniak, just because I needed an outfielder for the week. Uh, dropped Brenton Doyle. I had him for the Coors week. I might add him again next week. I got him for like 2 bucks last week. Moniak, 7, runner-up, 6 in this one. And then I needed some middle infield help. So uh, And Owen Miller... He's supposed to be day-to-day, hopefully starting on Tuesday, if not Wednesday. And he, Owen Miller dropped Emmanuel Valdez, who is starting to become a platoon player, it looks like. Um, $4 runner-up of $1, so not too much there. Uh, in my second OC, added Luke Rayleigh. Dropped Dominic Fletcher, who's in the minor leagues, three, runner-up, one. Added Owen Miller, dropped Kyle Farmer, three, zero. And then here's the beginning, and I did this in a lot of leagues, a lot of leagues. I added Trevor Rogers, who's on the IL with the Marlins, dropped Luis Ortiz, $1, no runner-up bid. I added Trevor Rogers because he started his rehab assignment. They're hoping to have him back potentially next week. This is a guy that we know can be volatile, but also can be very, very good. Was showing signs earlier this year to being very good. And this is the gambling I'm talking about. I can get him for a dollar right now. I can even watch his first start and not feel guilty about it. And then if this guy can be closer to the guy we think he can be compared to the gas can he was, this is a great pickup. If not, I drop him. It's very simple stuff. I had the roster spot for it. Trevor Rogers is out there. So he was an ad for me in a lot of places. Like in my final OC, I Owen Miller dropped Brenton Doyle six to nothing. I added Alex Wood, who actually looked pretty decent in his last start, dropped Luis Ortiz three to nothing. And then added Trevor Rogers, dropped Michael King one to nothing. So as you can see, just a lot of speculating, a lot of cheapies in my OCs. That was kind of the gist of the situation. I know Curlin doesn't play uh, TGFBI, so I'll leave that out of it. But that was another Tre- Trevor Rogers Thanks. destination, like many others. Thanks for um, uh, throwing me under the bus. You want to know why I don't play it? Because I don't want to. It's 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 honest. I, I've t- I told Justin this, and I respect what he does. I love I love it because I remember how excited I was the first year or two I played it. But every year I tend to not give it my full attention. I I tend to by July I'm probably. I don't make, I forget to do my weekly moves for it because I'm so focused on other leagues or other stuff. I didn't give it the proper attention I felt like is required to honestly put forth effort as an analyst. Cause I think if you're representing it, obviously you're, you're part of the industry. You want to take it, you want to take it serious. You want to at least give it your best effort, or at least, at least give it proper effort. And I wasn't doing that. And I was very upfront about that and honest. And I don't, it's not fair to dilute a product that I think Justin works very hard to maintain in terms of like, it's integrity and the reason why people are he's doing it it's supposed to be inclusive it's supposed to ha- let everybody be introduced to this type of format and it, without him i wouldn't be playing the main event because i wouldn't i don't think i ever would have ventured in nfbc so quickly so i can't say here I, I mean i'm thankful for and that's the reason why you should play it and analysts should take part in it and maybe next year i get back into it honestly because i'm realizing i'm in a the way i'm setting up my, myself with my teams i think i can honestly add it to the i wasn't sure i wasn't because just the way I've, it's been the last couple of years in terms of how i treated it i didn't think i was going to be able to 
give it the proper attention I think it deserves if you're going to take part in it. But I think next year I can get back into it knowing how to manage my fab time now these days. That's fair. Totally fair. We'll wrap it up there, Curlin. Mercado just got a double for you. So you got that going. One um, of my first hits of the day. My team's been ice yeah, freaking when, cold. When your guy players. goes out pulling a groin, it makes it tough to play the rest of the day. Uh, what are your final thoughts on the week here as we wrap up another episode of great, great uh, process, philosophy, player discussion episode? Um, I'm going to just keep obsessing over my overall rank, obsessing over Mullins injury replacements, and uh, – obsessing over my second half drafts i'm in my third one tonight so yeah go get logan gilbert in the fourth round everybody every time every single time man he's he's, i'm telling you he's he's my guy we could talk about uh, we talk some of that adp next week if you're not gonna talk about we'll do that next week because i'll save the secret that you put in the chat of who you're comparing logan gilbert to next season i'll let you i'll let you expose that one that's not for me to say but it's a bold claim folks I, i think he's gonna be next season's And that'll do it, folks. This was Benched with Bubba, episode 591. Catch you all next time. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.